Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Len DiCostanzo, who is no longer with anybody except himself. So, I don't know if you have a title, but uh, Len is now with MSB Toolkit, and many, many people in the community know him from many years at Autotask, Datto, and uh, I don't know, I think you and I probably know each other 15 years at this point. Yes, Carl, it's, uh, we're definitely bringing up the years. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us about a little bit about your background and then um, a little bit about MSP Toolkit. Sure, sure. So, yeah, Lendika Spanzo, I guess former Senior VP Business Development, Channel Development, Channel Sales at Autotask, good 11-year uh, run uh, through two acquisitions and uh, really kind of grew up. Uh, on the vendor side, prior to that, I actually was a solution provider myself, now called MSPs, and I guess various terms used to describe folks that deliver business technology solutions to their client base. And I always had, uh, you know, I guess I always wanted, uh, I was always teaching best practices, Carl. I, was always, I had my own business. I, I started following ITIL in the late 90s, been following it uh, quite a long time, and one of the things I really took pleasure in is just sharing some best practices that I learned and then at my time at Autotask and certainly even before with my peers, just kind of collecting best practices and you know bundling them up together, delivering them, using them myself. And now one of the things I decided to do upon leaving Autotask is, uh, and Datto, I actually merged with Datto, was there for about a year, left about three months ago, is... Uh, Put together MSP Toolkit. I've had to, actually had a domain for a while. I was thinking of doing something prior to Autotask as I was out teaching folks how to build a managed service practice and just thought I'd focus a little bit on MSP Toolkit and look to bring best practices to life for service providers. Uh, MSP Toolkit, I know everybody calls everyone an MSP these days, Carl, and I'm sure you, know, you have what you like to call folks, but to me, MSP means managed service practice. And I like to think really good business technology service providers are figuring out, excuse me, solution providers are figuring out how to add a recurring revenue stream into their business. They're still figuring it out. A lot of people have, a lot of people are in the midst of it. So I just like to look at business technology solution providers as you know, a really a cool place to be and then how do you add recurring revenue. And what that must be toolkit, I'm gonna try to bring the tools together, uh, productize, project offerings, services, really try to synthesize how to build a service catalog of offerings around projects and then what your recurring services might be as you drop in those solutions. So kind of a, uh, you know, a toolkit, if you will. Right. So you and I, I guess, reconnected at NextGen a few months ago. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because you're in one room and I was in the other room and uh, we watched each other's stuff, but it was funny because people would say, well, Len says this and Carl says that, but they both say, I can't tell you how many times people say, but both of them are telling you this. And so, you know, there's kind of this overlap of, uh, of advice. Uh, sometimes it's a little over here and sometimes it's a little over there, but we sure agree on, on the best practice piece of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the beautiful thing about best practices, including ITIL or any best practice that's out there, I mean, some of them are you know, pretty firm in what they're teaching, but I think best practices can be interpreted and your own experience might guide you to how you might see a best practice. You know, there are definite you know, kind of flows that, that have to happen, like 
if you go down in the weeds, like with incident management, there's a definite flow. But the resources, you know, how you move through the process, you can always adjust. And I think, uh, you know, for the most part, we may interpret it, but our, our interests are the same. We want to help these uh, solution providers be better at what they do, help their clients better. Right. Well, I know you saw at Autotask that, you know, there are people who have one set of practices when they have a three-person shop, but then they hire and hire and hire, and then they get a salesperson, and the, the practices of a 12-person shop are completely, not completely, very different in many, many ways. And so, you know, it's hard for some people to stop doing things the old way, you know, as they evolve their company. And so, they, you know, how do you get people to say, look, you need to reevaluate your practices every few years as you, as you change and the environment that you operate in changes? You know, it's a good question. Of crime. One thing that always kind of, I don't want to say through me, but I try not to use it during my days at Autotask is the word transform, transformation. I mean, it's a big word. I think, you know, the key, at least in, in my, my view, is evolution. You really have to continually evaluate what's going on in your business, with your clients, in the industry. You really have to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I, I think as you, if you're doing that, you're evolving. and It's not painful to look at your business. But there are definite times you have to look, you know, end of year is a, a kind of a crazy time, but you, you got to find some time to take a look maybe early in the next year and how'd you do, what went right, and what can we do to really make uh, an evolutionary next step. So I, I think if, if, people, if, if the average solution provider is kind of given the opportunity to evolve and they're taught how to consider what's going on and how to incorporate it in their business, they'll be a little bit better off. It's definitely tough. Matter of fact, one of the key things, uh, actually a key question maybe, or a question I was typically asked by some smaller guys was, or not even a question, it started with a statement and, and then I would answer it. It basically was, yeah, I don't think I'm really ready for uh, a PSA tool. I don't really think I'm ready for an RMM tool. And uh, better yet, I, you know, I don't think I'm really ready. I'm just a one-man, two-man, three-man shop. And all I would say is, look, if you don't start now, then when you want three or four or five uh, resources, it's going to be tough to kind of look back and then organize yourself and build in the processes. So you're better off starting with a process, with a flow, with a way to do things. And then as you add people in, you take yourself out of the equation if you're a one-man band. You just kind of start evolving and moving your pieces around. So you really got to start at the beginning. Otherwise, you might, like you say, Paul, have to take that uh, – hard look every once in a while and make a big change. And then I guess that might be transformational. So right. I say, I say evolve and you'd be better off. You know, it's, it's almost like meditation where you sort of look down upon yourself. I think, I think you do need to step outside yourself and say, what is that role? You know, when am I, when am I playing the role of the owner, the service manager, the technician, and what are the good processes? And for me, I, I've told people time and time again, you buy a PSA on day one, right? You buy yeah. RMM as soon as you can. And I'd, I'd say probably buy RMM on day one and PSA on day two. But, you know, having good processes in place will make you more profitable. Even a one-person shop, you know, the, the biggest thing, I know you did it in your business, I did it in my business. Biggest thing we do is we buy love by giving our labor to our clients. Yes, they love us, but it <laughs> doesn't help us, you know, 
pay the rent. So we yeah. need to get out of the habit of buying love by giving away our labor and, and say, look, you know, here's the best practice. Here's the way we do it. And, and a good example of that is I always tell people your best first hire should always be an administrative assistant and you should turn over billing to them as quickly as possible because they won't give away as many hours as you will. Right? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that first hire. It's very important. So, so yeah, um, I actually, I actually would call it, uh, sometimes I called it a technical administrator. You know, I, I think, uh, for me, even my first hire was my sister. She was my office manager, but she basically did whatever I couldn't do or said, you know what, you know, you're not technical. You can't fix a server. You might as well take care of the billing, take care of the correspondence, you know, take care of the phone, take care of responding. Right. So, you know, definitely a, a, an administrator is key or a coordinator, whatever you want to call it. And, and you know what, Carl, I'll give you a little, little quick tip. Like I started my business, I was maybe 24. And I was pretty fortunate that I actually ran into some, back, back then it was the big eight, Coopers and Library, and I ran into uh, someone that worked there. And he was looking to go off on his own. He was awesome at Excel, awesome at, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to, let's call it business tech, you know, uh, building a really nice solution through spreadsheets. I was a developer and we kind of combined. But one thing I learned very early in my business is all you have in your inventory is time. And that time goes away and it goes away quickly. And if you give it away, you're actually really hurting yourself. And, and I, I really feel from day one out of the gate, uh, I, I properly track my time. I properly build it. And, you know, most people say it's because I'm Italian from New York, but I never had trouble collecting my money call. So <laughs> if I send a bill out, I, I got it paid. And I think in like 20 years of business, I might have credited $1,000 for some kind of work that might not have been done right. So, you know, for me, I think I started out right and I kind of teach that. In fact, one of the biggest sessions I do out there is how to price your services. And it's all about time and how you track it, how you value it, and you know, how you might mark up and, and kind of price a service that not only has your time in it, but your people, right? You don't want, you don't want your billable resources, as I like to used to say, on the beach, you know, hanging out. So, right. uh, you know, but it's very important, you're right, you have to just be uh, very mindful of, uh, you know, how you track your time and billing for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Right now, there's a lot of newer folks coming in. There's a lot of groups on Reddit and Facebook and LinkedIn for people who are totally new to the business. And they have exactly the same questions that you saw 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. How do I price my stuff? How do I bundle my stuff? You know, what are you using for a PSA? <laughs> what are you using for an RMM? And, and there's literally this never ending flow of people coming into the business that need education and coaching and, you know, trying to, you know, they, they need help getting started. Well, that, that's really, I'm glad you said that, Carl, because uh, that's why I, I figure MSP Toolkit, it's, it's never too late to offer, you know, help, offer guidance, offer interpretation of best practices, you know, put the tools that all the good guys are using in one place, get the vendors all together and, you know, kind of say, look, you know, I, I don't want to call it a franchise model, but hey, if you take a BCDR, so here's your PSA, here's an RMM, here's the key categories, and then pick your vendor, do your vetting. I'm not going to tell them which vendor might be a good tool for them, but you know, certainly getting your uh, 
get your evaluation going. And, and uh, you know, sometimes what's even nicer is you got these tools, but if you don't have the people to touch them, there's a lot of good outsourced third parties that will actually use your tools until you got the resources to use your tools. So you, know, you really kind of teach them not only the tools, but how to actually go out and deliver that solution, that service, even if they don't have the, the right resources. So, you know, it's, it's true. They come out and, and what's even funnier, too, I won't say it's funny, but you say there's always people with questions. What I like are the folks that maybe haven't been around as, as long as you and I. And I'm actually, Carl, I'm, I'm around a little longer than you. I started in 84, I think you 95, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, well, oh, geez, I just lost my train of thought thinking of that. Oh, my gosh. Where was I going, Carl? Uh, they, the, the questions that they have, kind of newbies. Oh, yeah. Questions. Well, right, 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 right. The, the newbie questions. But what I really like is folks that kind of uh, just come in the industry or maybe they've been in a little while. Maybe they're on the vendor side, too. And they try to say things like, uh, you have to be more consultive. You, ha you know, it's not like the old days. I'm like, so you told me in 1984 when I sat down with my client in their boardroom and discuss their business needs and wants and challenges and devise the technology solution around software and hardware and custom apps that, that wasn't consulting. So <laughs> I think what, what goes around comes around and some people haven't seen it. And I think we've been fortunate and that we've seen enough to be able to kind of, you know, get through the clutter and, and granted there's new stuff coming out all the time. Some of these great uh, new solutions and new technology coming out all the time, but it's, you know, it typically follows the form of others. It's about efficiency and uh, cleanup process and automation. And, you know, you just learn about the new tool. And uh, even when I started my recurring revenue model, there was no such thing as managed services around 97 when they started charging monthly for my clients. It's a similar approach, except you've got more tools to throw into the mix. And that's, again, where MSB Toolkit kind of comes is, there's tools. You got to use them. And if you don't know which ones there are, hopefully they go to guys like you and I and, and their peers to see what's out there. Right. You know, it's interesting because I think that, you know, if all your experience is going back five years, then you may not know that this really used to be a business of true consulting. You know, there was a period where people didn't really do consulting. What they did was take servers out and move people to the cloud. And they did that for five years, chunk, 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 chunk. And there wasn't really much engagement at the business level. And I think we're almost being forced into that by, as you say, the new technology, right? Like, should I be looking at IoT? Should I be looking at LED? Should I be looking at signage? You know, this, this all looks, you know, to the end user, like an expense, right? but we need to come to them and say, there's also an opportunity, you know, let me save you some money. Let me, let's talk about that from your business's perspective. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. I think, uh, you know, you're right. There definitely were times, uh, you know, if you look at the housing market, you, know, you put your house on the market, it sells. You go, wow, that's a great market. You don't really have to think. And I think similarly when there's a, you know, a Microsoft windows server end of life or a servers now going to the cloud, there's just that rush of, I got to get this done. Can you do it? And you're right. No consulting. Maybe, maybe a little if the guys are doing it right, because, yeah, you move the server to the cloud and you're just moving everything up. Okay, great. But if you're now starting to really 
it is an opportunity to consult and kind of say, what is on that server? Why is it up there? And maybe we could take an app off of that server and now it's in the cloud too. So, you know, hopefully they, they jumped on, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, going a little deeper and wider with their clients and expanded with some consulting. And, and right. So here's a question. Do you, um, do you think picking the right tools is something that will help you generate best practices or do you bring your best practices to whatever tools you buy? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little both, right, Carl? I mean, you, you get an RMM. Uh, there's a way to do event management with an RMM. Hopefully you're following what other folks have done before, and that's why ITIL kind of is, is such a success as a best practice framework because they a thousand plus practitioners have put these processes together. So there are some standards and things that you can follow around a tool or around a process, but it's, it's always about, you know, it's old, old, uh, was it an adage, people process technology, you know, it's always that fine mix of, you know, how do you figure out how to do it the best way for you? And that's again, the beauty of the best practice framework, you interpret it and you implement it you know, the best way for you. And then over time, and, you know, ITIL, for those that might not be familiar with it, it's a series of five books, uh, really talking start to finish, how you decide what services you're going to deliver, deliver, how do you build out a catalog, uh, not so much at a price, but it definitely talks about, you know, the pricing aspect of it, the operation, uh, the operational capability to deliver the service. And the last book of the five is Continual Service Improvement. And it, it's all about taking a look at what you just did and what you've been doing and analyzing the metrics you set when you define the service and then coming around again and uh, doing it better. So, so know, I think it's just, it's a combination. I, 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 you know, part of me already knows what your first part of this answer is going to be, but let me just ask the question. Uh, isn't ITIL too complicated for a small business? Well, I mean, obviously you're going to say no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me why well, not. Shit. It's complicated. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, I think the beauty of uh, ITIL is if somebody thinks it's too complicated for them or if people are saying it, it's because they don't realize they're already doing it. Uh, you know, I, I remember my first review or look at ITIL. I don't want to, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to hope I'm right when I say like 98. 99, could be 97, I don't know, Carl, but uh, I remember going, what's the big thing about ITIL? I'm doing this already. I'm, I'm already doing incident management. I just don't call it that. I call it, I, I got a problem or I'm fixing something that's broke. So I think when you, if you boil it down to, hey, you do this all the time, and, and I usually start any of my sessions where I mention ITIL, exactly that. You know, there's another best practice framework, ITSM, uh, and, and, Everybody's talking about transformation and aligning that technology with their client's business. That's what ITSM is. So there are best practices out there and they are born from people doing this stuff over and over and putting it on paper and then providing that guidance, much like you and I are trying to do, provide guidance to the newbies and, and the folks out there that just need to streamline a bit. So it's not, it's not complicated if you're in this business because you, you, you're doing it. You just now get to put a little structure behind it and get the see how others are doing it and how they define it. And 
the most important thing for me, I believe, or at least what I like to share is the one thing following a best practice framework like ITO from the start is you're speaking the same language. You know, a lot of times you'll hear somebody out in the field and you're talking to them and you know, they're still in that kind of hands-on, very fixed mode, even though the owner, and they go, I have to go, I got to go, I got a problem with a client. Now, to me, I start going, oh, problem? Is it an incident or is it a problem? So I think ITIL gives you the same language. If you say incident, well, people know it's an incident because a problem is different than an incident. And I think people talking the same and speaking the same language, it really helps. Uh, just like when people talk in English together, they understand each other and you, you right. don't you know, necessarily uh, not know what each other's saying. Well, it's interesting. So, ten years ago, ten years ago, it was possible to hire a technician who'd never heard of managed services, who'd never used an RMM, who'd never used a PSA, uh, and has never heard of uh, ITEL. Uh, no. Today, uh, it, we're in a different world, right? When you hire people, I can expect them to have used some PSA and some RMM. And whether they have my definition or not, they, they have some idea of what managed services is. Do you think ITIL is that uh, prevalent or is it moving in that direction? Well, you know, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've seen it, you know, from all angles in certain areas and parts of the world. You know, we, we had a really progressive uh, London office at Autotask. And, you know, one of the things that was very clear when we launched there in 2010 uh, with Kevin Donovan and a bunch of the folks at Altest Marketing, their CEO, we had a really nice uh, opportunity. We brought in a guy named Mark Vanfield. And as soon as we start trying to attack that market, you know, here in the U.S., believe it or not, everybody says we're so progressive. Uh, and I've been following and talking ITIL in the U.S. for a while. And here I am we're trying to land in the U.K. And our, our product didn't have any ITIL-based capabilities like incident management, it was a ticket. There was no problem management, there was no change management. And as soon as we went into the UK, which is where ITIL was kind of born, uh, it was just, you need ITIL in your product. And we had to go and build that into our product. And luckily, you know, we were pretty progressive and got it done. But I think in certain parts of the world, it, it's been there. I think uh, in the US, some people had it, a lot don't because you're doing it. And I think now, you know, I certainly been talking about it. So I, I think I see it a little bit more, but you know, I, I do believe if we followed a little bit more of that in the industry, and that's again, one of the things I'm gonna try to bring out uh, more and more, I, I think we'd all be better off. Very good. So how can folks engage with you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, it's easy right now, Carl. It's uh, you send an email to Len at MSP Toolkit. Uh, what I have is a couple of offerings right now that I've packaged up, a couple of programs. One is called my MSP Accelerator Program, which has been evolving for the last 15 years or so. When I was actually, I put it together and was delivering it prior to my stint at Autotask and worked with uh, service providers around the world, just helping them build their managed service practice. Uh, starts with, you know, what services you need, how do you take uh, services you deliver now, use the tools to automate that service delivery, build it into a nice bundle like you and I like to talk about, and go deliver that to your client, what tools you need to do it. So uh, the MSP Accelerator program takes you from start to finish in terms of the, like an ITIL framework is really how I based it on. 
define your service, price it, the tools you need to get it done right. Now go market it to your clients and sell it to them and upsell them and then go out and talk to strangers. So I have an MSP accelerated program, a couple of day engagement. We do it over, over uh, you know, like we're doing here via Zoom webinar. Microsoft Teams, and I just take out uh, snippets of it. We can do a pricing conversation, we can do a service catalog conversation, a key process conversation. So, you know, reach out, let me know what you issue. Now, if you're an MSP, but I also have a, a really solid background now on the vendor side call. So, I actually have a couple of vendor clients. So, <laughs> MSP, MSP Toolkit is not just for MSPs, it's actually for some vendors out there in the channel who want their tool to be, you know, in the toolkit. So, what I'm doing is I'm helping vendors actually bring their solutions to life. I mean, they're obviously doing a great job already, but you know, one of the things when I was a solution provider, I, I was kind of like when a vendor would say, sell my stuff, I sure wish they helped me sell it better. Meaning, you know, what services do I need? How long is it going to take me to do that? Do I have to figure all that out? Which normally we do. So what I tried to do even at Autotask, as we brought on products that go through the channel, I tried to say, Deployment will take this long, and these are the four things you need to be concerned with and how long they may take. And then once they're done, here's your recurring revenue uh, skew or service, and here's a typical charge. And now go for it, guys. You've got to price it the way you want based on your variables, but the framework is project, services, bundle, managed service. And uh, I, I help vendors basically build out their partner programs and partner playbooks and toolkits to make it easy for uh, an MSP or a solution writer to add that into their toolkit. Right. So kind of work on both sides. So with the accelerator, uh, is that geared towards small shops, medium shops, large shops, or do you customize it based on who picks up the phone? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of the above. Uh, I, I think what, what's been interesting, like you said before, there's always new people coming on board, Carl, and, you know, this really helps them miss the speed bumps in the road. It, it, it really shortens the curve. But there's a lot of large companies out there, and we touched on this earlier, that have grown, 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 and they maybe have not had the right processes in place, the right flow, and they've grown just because maybe they're good at some stuff, but there's a lot of holes in the process. There's a lot of uh, opportunity for improvement. So, you know, typically anyone can kind of take it. We tweak it a bit, of course, in a one-on-one. -on -one but I've delivered in group sessions to 50 folks at a time. And I've had a mix of small guys and hundred employee companies that sit in and say, you know what, you know, maybe the larger guys take a few less tips than the smaller guy. But at the end of the day, I think like you said earlier, everybody needs a little help, whether they're new or they've been doing it for a while. You know, it's interesting with the growth because we're in this huge growth era and mergers and acquisitions and all that. There's companies that have, you know, if you think about a merger of two companies that one's got five employees here and one's got 12 employees here, they both have great processes for a five and a 12 person shop, but they don't necessarily have good processes for a 17 person shop in two locations. Uh, and so, you know, even if what they have works and got them where they are, that doesn't mean that it's going to work tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Very true. And, you know, we've been kind of touching on these things the whole conversation, but, you know, you have to take a look at what you've been good at, but what, what's, what's going on right now. And, you know, one thing, uh, when I had my business, my solution writer business from 84, I sold it like 2002. 
when I opened the second office, Carl, boy, uh, you know, that really changes the game. And uh, I always caution, you know, watch that second office, make sure you're ready for it and prepare your process, your people for that change. And, you know, it's a big step uh, and mergers are a big step. I mean, I was uh, the third company acquired by a publicly traded company in 2002. And, and I, I recall it being very difficult. So I've been through being acquired uh, at Autotest. We acquired a couple of companies and then we were acquired again. And acquisitions, mergers, uh, multiple offices, all of these, we'll call them life changes or business changes, you, know, you really have to think them through and uh, take the right approach and you'll come out the other side. Very cool. Well, we're going to go ahead and put your email down below. So uh, I won't post it on the web, but I'll put it in the video. <laughs> that way, if people want to get yes. a hold of you, they, it's easy enough to type in. Uh, and, and that way they can get a hold of you. But we will put your, uh, a link to your website on here. Love it. And the website, just for those that know, maybe by the time they're looking at it, it'll be uh, a little bit more up to speed. But you know, I've been more focused on working with my clients right now. I've got the great a team over at Equilibrium Consulting working on the site to make it look just the way we want it, Carl. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Very good. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And this has been another SMB Community Podcast. Please check us out here and you can subscribe to us on the site or on iTunes. Thank you, sir. And we will have you back again. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Carl. Appreciate the time. 